You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. What a great way to lead into our message this morning because we are finishing the passage that this D group just quoted by memory. We've been in the passage on spiritual warfare for a couple months now, and we are going to finish that passage uh, this morning. And so it's a great way for us to be reminded of what's going on in the life of our church in terms of D groups. You saw the information about how you can get more information related to these discipleship groups. And you think about our path of discipleship in our church. We want to abide in Christ and advance the gospel. And the way we do that is we want people to to go on a journey that begins with being saved and baptized. Then, after someone is saved and baptized, they, they connect with a group of believers in a Bible study where they get to know other folks. But then they... Uh, they, they, they want to experience accelerated growth in a D group. We want to get everyone that we can in these groups to really focus on walking with God and growing in your faith. And then when you're connected and growing, you'll begin to reach out to others. You'll be on mission with God. You'll serve others. You'll tell others about Jesus and more people will get saved and they begin that journey themselves. And so D groups are interesting because D groups help us to abide in Christ. They help us to grow in our faith, to stay close to Jesus, but they also help us to grow to the point where we're reaching out with the gospel. They help us to advance the gospel, and so uh, the D group is really the bridge between abiding in Christ and advancing the gospel, and a, a, a vital part of what we do at our church. And so we hope you'll get uh, connected and and uh, let God's word work in you. Let fellow believers encourage you and memorize great passages like Ephesians. Chapter 6. So look there with me. Ephesians chapter 6. Like I said, we are finishing uh, our study on the reality of spiritual warfare. And this will be our next to last sermon in the book of Ephesians. We'll begin in Ephesians uh, chapter 6. We're going to read specifically uh, in verse uh, 14 uh, down through verse 20 to set the stage for uh, our message. Uh, this morning, but before we before we read, I just want to just want to talk for a moment about prayer, because that's what our sermon is about. It's all about prayer. And growing up, I learned some really precious songs about prayer. Songs that are still with me today. One of my favorite hymns is "Sweet Hour of Prayer." Another, another crowd favorite is the song, uh, I, uh, In the Garden, I Come to the Garden Alone. He walks with me, he talks with me. And those songs really uh, emphasize a certain aspect of prayer, the sweetness of communion with Christ. And I certainly have experienced that in my own life. Early morning with Jesus, it's still... Uh, you know, it's still in the house, and it's just me and the Lord. And I've experienced the sweetness of of just of just talking with Him and 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 having Him speak to me through His 
word and knowing he is present there with me in that moment. I've experienced the power of spending one hour alone with the Lord. And and so those songs are realities for me in my own personal walk with God. But the picture of prayer we're going to look at this morning is not a picture of sweet fellowship and communion. The picture this morning is more like Warfare. Prayer as a weapon against the enemy. In fact, as I was studying this passage, I I thought about artillery. When it comes to armies battling one another, artillery is a certain part of strategies that that different uh, armies use. You know what artillery is? It's, It's... It's shooting weapons from a long range in order to weaken the enemy. And I believe that prayer is like spiritual artillery. That we are to employ it to weaken the enemy, to push back the darkness, and advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to show you how prayer is warfare here in this text. So look there with me, Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 14, if you are physically able, I want to ask you this morning to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Like I said earlier, we're going to finish the passage on spiritual warfare this morning. Next week will be our last sermon in the book of Ephesians. We'll bid a fond farewell to this wonderful, wonderful letter that Paul wrote to a group of Christians in the first century city of Ephesus. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 The Bible says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying, notice we're talking about warfare here, praying, At all times, in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we pause in this moment to once again give you the glory that you deserve. We worship you. We bow our hearts before you. We recognize, Lord, your authority, your power, your presence, your tenderness, your care, your compassion, your mercy, your grace. Redemption. We pause to praise you for who you are and what you've done. And now we come to this moment of Bible study with expectancy. We pray, Lord, that you would use your word in our lives, transform us. And God, I pray that you would equip your church today to be a church that employs prayer as a weapon. 
God, help us to fight battles on our knees. Help us to win victories through the power of prayer. And we'll thank you and praise you for that grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, we've we've been talking about seven essentials for spiritual battles. I originally intended this to be a two-part sermon, but we are in part five, so it's taken a little bit longer. But we've been discussing the defensive pieces of armor that we are to wear, the, the resources we have in Christ that we are to be clothed in so that we can withstand the attacks of the enemy. But this list of, of armor closes with some weapons. We talked last week about the Word of God, which is called the Sword of the Spirit. And then he closes this passage with talking about prayer as a weapon in the battle. And so I want to just walk you through quickly those, those seven essentials for spiritual battles, and then we'll focus on number seven together this morning. We talked about the belt of truth, and our takeaway was we need to know and deploy truth to win spiritual battles. The second piece of armor was the breastplate of righteousness, and the takeaway was in the midst of spiritual warfare, you need to be right with God. Third, we talked about shoes of readiness. Our takeaway, as you battle, you must remember you have a powerful message, the gospel, to stand on and to share. We talked about the shield of faith, and the takeaway was trusting God's promises and knowledge of his truth protect us from Satan's vicious attacks, mainly on our minds. We talked about the helmet of salvation, and we said that God's saving work gives us confidence in the fight. And last week we talked about the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and our takeaway was this. When you wield the Word of God in spiritual battle, you will win spiritual victories. And now we come to the seventh resource that we have in Christ, the resource of prayer. Now I want to discuss prayer under three different headings that come straight from the text. First of all, I want to share with you an explanation of prayer. What is prayer at its essence. Look what it says there in verse 16. He says, you're to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. And so I told you last week that prayer and Bible, uh, prayer and the Word of God go together. They're inextricably linked. So as you're taking up the Word of God as a weapon, the truth of God's Word, remember to pray as you wield God's Word and, and so he says there that we are to pray at all times in the Spirit. Now, prayer, when you boil it down, is simply talking to God. That's what it is. It's talking to God. But we get a little bit more information about prayer in this verse when he says, praying at all times, now look at this next phrase, in the Spirit. In other words, our prayers are to be prayers that are informed by and assisted by the Holy Spirit of God. So let me say it like this. Prayer is talking to God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now how many of you in here would stand up and say, My prayer life is right where it needs to be. Any takers on that? We all understand, don't we, that we've got some room to grow when it comes to the area of prayer. But many times, 
our prayerlessness causes angst, and we think, well, I need to do better. I need to pray more. Uh, you know, I hear Pastor Wade, you got to pray, 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 read the Bible, pray, pray, read the Bible. They go together, and, and I want to pray more than I pray. I know I need to grow in my prayer life, but we move forward in our own strength, and we don't grow. And this phrase, in the Spirit, I believe, is the key for me and for you to grow in the area of prayer. Simply put, if we're going to pray like we ought to pray, if we're going to pray fighting battles on our knees, winning spiritual victories, we need some help. We need the help of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, how does the Holy Spirit specifically help us to pray? Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to pray according to God's will. He, he helps us to, 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 to know how to pray. And even when we come to a place in our spiritual lives that we don't even know what to say. Romans 8.26 indicates the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf as an intercessor. He, he groans with, 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 a, with a communication to God that is too deep for even words. And the Spirit of God at that moment takes the, the burdens and the cares of anxieties on our heart. And we don't know how to pray. We don't know what we should say. And the Holy Spirit brings it to the Father and puts it in a package of prayer so that God can move in response to the Holy Spirit's praying on our behalf. Isn't that awesome? You ever had a situation in life and it's so desperate, so daunting, you don't even know how to pray? Let me give you a little secret. I'm a pastor. Been to seminary. Been in theology classes. Read theology books. And I've come across some situations sometimes I don't even have the words. How do you even begin to address this tragedy or this circumstance in prayer? How do I even to talk to God about this? And it is in those moments the Holy Spirit helps us. Even when we don't have the words, He communicates to God on our behalf. Isn't that good? He helps us to, to pray when we don't know how to pray as we ought, as it says in Romans 8.26. But also I believe the Holy Spirit gives us the wherewithal, the desire to pray, the, the prompter in our heart. You need to talk to God. You need to spend time with Him. There, there have been times in my, in my own personal life where I get busy and I get frenzied and I get harried and, and, and I'm not spending you know, time with the Lord like I need to. It's like I'm just so caught up in the rat race of life. And, and there are times, and this may sound a bit mystical, but there are times when I can sense God summoning me to his presence. Like, wait, it's time. You've been busy. You've been fr It's time you need to come and sit in the presence of the Father. And I believe that's the Holy Spirit of God working in my heart, convicting me, giving me the wherewithal, the, the want to, the desire, the reminder that I need to pray. So the Holy Spirit helps us to pray as we ought, even when we don't know how to pray, He helps us. Holy Spirit gives us the, 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 the conviction to move us in that direction. And the Holy Spirit gives us the, the power, He gives us the strength to pray. Let me give you something very, very practical to help you in your prayer life. You ready? 
If you're struggling in the area of prayer, ask the Holy Spirit for help. It'll change your life. You get alone with God, before you begin to pray, say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to pray in this moment. And the Holy Spirit will do that. I believe that's what it means to pray in the Spirit. Pray in the power of the Spirit with the assistance of the Spirit and the help of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is interwoven in our prayer lives. And we need to recognize that and ask Him for help. And so this is simply what prayer is. It's talking to God in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's an explanation of prayer. But then Paul gives us an exhortation to prayer. He, he encourages us here and spurs us on to pray. And he does it in a very interesting way. There's, there's repetition here. And it's specifically repetition of the word all. He uses the word all four times. And if we follow that word all throughout this passage, we'll learn some things about prayer. And we'll be exhorted to pray. So, so look there with me in verse 18. I want to show you these four uses of the word all. He says praying at all times. Everyone see it? Then he goes to say with all prayer. A little bit later, keep alert with all perseverance. Then he says making supplication for all the saints. All, 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 all. And each one of those alls points out a, a specific aspect of prayer that we need to be encouraged in. For example, all times there in verse 18 when he says praying at all times in the Spirit. All times speaks of the frequency of our prayers. You say, Pastor Wade, how often should I pray? As much as you can in the power of the Spirit. The Bible teaches that there needs to be consecrated time alone with the Lord. Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, when you pray, go into your inner room and shut the door behind you and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who, who sees what's happening in the secret place. He will reward you in that. So certainly there is an aspect where we need to carve out time. We talked about this last week with the Bible. We need to carve out time to get alone with the Bible, get alone with God, have Him talk to us as we read the Scriptures, then we talk to Him about what we just read. Prayer and Bible study going together. We need that consecrated time with God. But prayer doesn't stop there. Over in 1 Thessalonians, Paul said that we're to pray at all times. Or as the King James says, pray without what? Ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That we're to maintain an attitude of prayer throughout our days. That, that, that doesn't mean that as we're you know, walking through our day that we're constantly uh, articulating prayers on our lips. I mean, that's part of what it means. That you know, from meeting to meeting, phone call to phone call, when you're in your vehicle, whatever, you're, you're, you're voicing, articulating prayers to God. But it's not practical that we're always, we're always mouthing prayers with our lips. What it means is that we are to maintain this attitude of dependence upon the Lord and focus on the Lord. That even as we're walking through our day, we're breathing out prayers, quick prayers. Lord, help me with this meeting. 
This is a difficult phone call, God. Give me the words. Lord, I'm tired. Give me energy and strength. Hey, I'm worried about this. I want to lift this anxiety up to you, and I ask that you would give me peace. And just, We're just talking to God, communing with God throughout the day. That's what Paul means when he says, pray at, at all times. Now remember what Paul said about the shield of faith. He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. In other words, you need to be ready for the attacks of the enemy all day long in every circumstance. Well, the prayer carries with it here the same idea. We're in warfare every day. So we need to pray, talk to God every day. There's power in prayer. All time speaks of the frequency of our prayers. And I don't know what your frequency of prayers are. You don't know what my frequency of prayers are. But I bet you everyone in this room can grow. Can I get an amen? Start with Pastor Wade. All speaks of the frequency of our prayers. But then the phrase all prayer and supplication found there in verse 18 speaks of the balance of our prayers. The balance of our prayers. He says there, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. He uses two different words there for prayer. Prayer is a, the translation of a Greek word, which is kind of the general word for prayer, for talking to God. And supplication is a, a specific word for prayer. And it's used a little bit later, later in the passage in verse 18. But that word means to ask for things. That's what supplication means. It means to ask God for things, to ask God to meet needs in your life, to ask God uh, to, to, to work in your life. And so when he uses prayer and supplication, he's, he's indicating that there are different aspects to prayer. And, and our prayers should reflect that balance. In other words, if all you're doing is asking God for things for your own life, you're missing on a very important aspect of prayer, which is intercession. Asking God to work in other people's lives. And all you're doing is asking God to work in your life or other people's lives, but you're not pausing to praise Him with gratitude. You're missing out on a very important part of prayer. If you're not spending time in your prayer life confessing sins and getting right with God, you're missing out on a very important aspect of prayer. We could go on and on and on. Our prayers should be balanced. That's what Jesus taught when he taught us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. We heard a song about it this morning. The Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. And think about how he taught us to pray. He gave us the different, different elements of prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our prayers should reflect praise and worship because God is good. Amen? He's glorious. And, and we should spend time praising him for who he is and what he's done in our lives. Then Jesus says, Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His point there is when you pray, prayer should be a time of aligning your heart with the heart of God. It should be a time of submission and surrender where your life comes into to greater conformity with the will and the ways of God. It's a time of, of, of examining your heart and saying, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to obey you. I want you to move my life in a greater and greater way so that it looks more like heaven in and through my life than it did yesterday. Alignment. Then he said, pray like this. Give us this day our daily 
bread. Prayer is a time where we ask God for things. And you should not be ashamed or feel bad about asking God for things. God invites us to do that. He says over in Matthew chapter 7 that we are to ask, we are to seek, we are to knock. If we ask and seek and knock, God will answer and open the door. He'll work in our lives. We are called to ask God for things. In fact, God is is glorified when you trust Him enough to ask Him for things. And I believe God is offended when you never bring your weakness and needs to Him. You're trusting other things. You're trusting yourself to make it through life when God's saying, Ask me! I'm the God of the universe. Ask me. I'll help you. Ask me. Jesus said, pray for daily bread. We have needs every day. We ought to bring them to the Lord. And then Jesus said, after you say, give us this day our daily bread, you ask God to forgive you of your sins. That means you examine your heart. You deal with sin in your life. And ask God to cleanse you and restore a a clean heart in you. And as you're asking God to forgive you and you're you're getting your sin out before the Lord and experiencing his cleansing and his mercy in that moment, you also take evaluation of your relationships because you're asking God to forgive you so far as you are willing to forgive others that have offended you. Jesus said when you pray, ask for forgiveness, but in that moment be willing to extend forgiveness to others. And if you're not willing to extend forgiveness to others, you're not ready to ask God for his forgiveness. Amen? A lot of us want to say, God, I want to be restored with you. I've done something wrong and I'm sorry. Please, I I don't want to carry this any longer. And you want to be right with God, but you don't want to give someone else that same grace. So Jesus taught us to pray, get right with God, get right with others. That's part of your prayer life. Then he taught us to pray in light of spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. All those elements, fighting against temptation, fighting against the evil one, winning spiritual battles. All those elements, confession, repentance, praise. Supplication, all of those should be reflected in our prayer lives. There should be a breadth to our prayers. How many of you found that you can't pray for more than a few minutes because you don't know what to say? And you, and you find yourself praying, saying the same old thing about the same old thing. You're just repeating words. The Lord's prayer is the secret to praying with, with intensity, with... with uh, with vividness, the Lord's Prayer. Just walk through the Lord's Prayer. Read a line of it and talk to God about what that line cues you to pray. And then go to the next line. Read a line and pray under that heading. And go to the next line, pray under that heading. That's what I do in my own personal prayer life. I use the model prayer as a template for my own prayer life. And it keeps me balanced. It gives breadth to my prayers. So make sure you've got that. I remember when my oldest son was a little guy, and we were, you know, I was tucking him in, in bed at night, and, and we were talking about prayer. And I said, why don't you pray? And, uh, 
And he said, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to pray. I said, well, why don't you pray? He said, I don't want to pray. I said, well, let me, let me can I help you? Can I, can I walk you through it? And he said, well, yeah. So we began to pray, and I began to just lead him to pray for, other, pray for his mom and his dad, and pray for his siblings, and pray for his grandparents, and pray for his church. And, and I was leading to pray for all these other things. And, and Cameron finally stopped and looked at me and said, can I pray about me now? Listen to me. You can pray about you. God is honored when you pray about you. But he also wants you to pray for others. And he also wants your praise and your worship. And he also wants your confession and your repentance. And he also wants you to get right in your relationships with others. And he, he wants you to pray against the enemy and push back the dark. He, he wants you to experience the breadth of prayer. That's what he means when he says, all prayer and supplication. But then there's another all there, very quickly. All perseverance speaks of the diligence of our prayers. Look what he says back in verse 18. We're to be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Keep alert with all perseverance. That, that phrase, keeping alert, means literally to be sleepless, to stay awake and to stay watchful, vigilant. And then the phrase, all perseverance, is an interesting word. That word means to continue to do something with intense effort, even in the face of difficulty. That's what it means. So he's saying, when you pray, even when it's hard, even when life is hard, you are to pray with intense effort. And I, and I read that and I think, could I call my prayer life intense effort? Quite convicting. But that's what the word means. Perseverance. It means that you keep on keeping on. You devote yourself to. You, you persist in prayer. You pray and keep praying. You pray and you don't give up. You pray, you pray, you pray. Even in the face of, of difficulty. This word, perseverance, was used in the sense of diligent, diligently remaining at one's work. So what do we learn? We learn that prayer keeps you spiritually alert and on guard. But it's hard work. So in the power of the Spirit, you're called to persist. There's an illustration of this in the Scriptures. What it looks like when you don't pray with perseverance. In the upper room on the night in which Jesus was betrayed... Jesus says something very, very interesting to Peter. He said, Peter, Satan demands to sift you like wheat. Peter, Satan himself is after you. That's what Jesus was saying. Can you imagine how troubling that would have been? He demands to sift you like wheat. And the implication was, be on guard. Be on guard. What happened? They left the upper room. They sang a hymn. They crossed the brook Kidron. They walked up to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus took Peter, James, and John deeper into the garden. And Jesus Christ falls down praying with great sweat drops of blood. And he's saying, if there can be any other way, Father... There could be any other way, but there's silence from heaven. There was no other way to redeem humanity 
His blood must be shed so that sinners like us could be forgiven. And Jesus comes to that place on our behalf where he says, Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus chose the cross as he wrestled there in mental and spiritual and emotional anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you say, well, what were Peter, James, and John doing? Jesus is crying out to the Father. Jesus is is, is bringing his heart into alignment with the Father. Jesus is choosing to embrace the cross. What about the three disciples? They were asleep. Jesus went back and checked on them. He says, could you not watch and pray for one hour? Same idea, keeping alert in it with perseverance. Could you not watch and pray for one hour? In other words, be on guard. Spiritually speaking, be on guard. Pray. He walks back into the garden. He comes back and they're asleep again. Peter was in danger of Satan's attacks. But instead of being vigilant, and instead of persevering in prayer, he lays down his spiritual guard. And what happened later that night, early into the next morning, Peter denied Jesus not once, not twice, He denied Jesus three times. Satan was after him. And Satan got him to a place where he denied Jesus Christ himself. There was forgiveness for Peter. There was restoration over in John 21. He restored Peter. But the Bible says that when Peter was confronted with his betrayal of Christ, he wept bitterly. He understood the pain of denying his Lord. And there's a direct connection, I believe, with Peter's failure and his lack of vigilance in the area of prayer. Perhaps if he would have stayed awake in the garden, perhaps if he would have called out to God in prayer and and been spiritually alert, he would have been more aware of the attacks of the enemy who wanted to sift him like wheat. But he laid down vigilance. He could not pray with Jesus for even one hour. And he denied his Lord. Let's not let that happen in our lives. Hey, newsflash, you ready? You ready? Satan demands to sift you like wheat. Satan is after you. Satan and his demons are after you. It's all about destruction. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to rob you of your testimony. He wants to make you ineffective and apathetic in your walk with God. He wants you to get to a place where you would even deny your Lord with your lifestyle. Keep alert. Keep alert. Be vigilant as you pray with all perseverance. Don't stop praying. It's a weapon we must And then finally, 
the phrase all the saints, the fourth all, speaks of the subject of our prayers. Look what he says in verse 18. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication. That's asking God for things. Making supplication for all the saints. So you're asking God for things on behalf of others. That's supplication for others or intercession for others. We're to pray for other people. Not just ourselves, certainly ourselves, but beyond ourselves. We're to pray for others. We ought to pray for one another. How many of you have discovered that life is hard? Raise your hand. And, and I, want, I want to tell you something with, with, with absolute certainty. The person sitting to your right and the person sitting to your left are dealing with some stuff. The person sitting in front of you, they're dealing with some stuff. The person sitting behind you, they're, they're dealing with some stuff. Your pastor talking to you, he's dealing with some stuff. Life is hard. We're in the midst of a world cursed by sin. A fallen world surrounded by ungodliness. Satan is, is, is trying to destroy us. Our old sin nature is pulling us in the wrong direction. And yet we're called to be salt and light. We're called to love God and love others. We're called to shine brightly in this world. It's not easy, is it? We're all going through some stuff. Therefore, we need to pray for each other. Let, let, me, let me ask you to do this. I want to ask you to renew your commitment to pray for others. Starting with your family of faith at First Baptist. Certainly others. But start with your church family. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Begin to listen to what's going on and, and jot down needs or names in a journal or put it on your notes on your phone and, and, and begin, to, begin to just really pray for others. Hey, tell them you're praying for them. Send them a text. Take them out for coffee. Tell them you're praying for them. You can't imagine the encouragement and blessing that that is. But he says there we are to pray with, with, with supplication for all the saints. We need to pray for one another. Would you do that? And then finally, there's an entreaty for prayer. Explanation of prayer, uh, an encouragement to prayer, and then an entreaty for prayer. In other words, Paul gives a very specific request. Very quickly, look in verse 19. Paul says, also for me, as you're praying for all the saints, pray for me. That words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul asked them to highlight prayer for the advance of the gospel. And I believe a, an aspect of our prayer life should always be about the gospel going forward. By the way, this is a great way to pray for missionaries. We bring in missionaries, you know, uh, throughout the year. We're praying for North American missions starting this week, a, a time of focused prayer for North American missionaries. We prayed for international missionaries in December. We have the missionary moments, the first of every month, where we hear about a different need in, in, in uh, our, our, our missionaries in our convention. 
and we have a global impact conference where we bring missionaries in to share what they're doing. We go on short-term mission trips. We meet missionaries. So we got a lot of missionaries in our sphere of influence. You say, how do I pray for a missionary? Pray this. Because Paul prays specifically for two things, or asked for two things. Number one, boldness. Number two, clarity in sharing the gospel. He'd say what he needs to say. He says there, as I ought to speak. So he prays for courage to share the gospel and clarity in sharing the gospel as it is necessary, he says in verse 20. It's a great way to pray for missionaries. In fact, look what he says there in verse 30. I'm verse 20, I'm sorry. Or in verse 19. He says, I want to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. What's the mystery of the gospel? He defines it in Ephesians 3, verse 6. This mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. In other words, the mystery that's been revealed by God is this. God so loved the world... That if anybody places their faith in Christ, they can be saved and brought into this one body called the church. It's good news. And Paul's saying, pray that I would share it boldly. Pray that I would share it clearly. Pray for my evangelistic efforts. This is a great way to pray for missionaries and pastors and church staff members. But don't miss this. It's also a great way to pray for yourself. That God would give you boldness and clarity to share the good news of Jesus with others. An entreaty to prayer. So here's the takeaway, and we'll be through. Constant, spirit-empowered prayer keeps us vigilant and strengthens others. Thus, Weakening the enemy. Prayer is a weapon. The song you heard earlier, you sang earlier. When I fight, I fight on my knees. I believe that a church, a family, an individual... A nation will not win spiritual victories apart from prayer. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? God calls us to wield the weapon of prayer. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word. May the Lord richly bless you.